All right, we are in, still, our series called The House of David. So this series has, if I could be transparent, this series has gone on longer than I thought it was going to. Uh, but the truth is, that's because as I'm reading the scripture, uh, because it's First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, as I'm reading through the scripture, there's a ton in there. There's a lot more than I even anticipated, uh, just kind of breezing through it the first time. Uh, but really, as you dive in, there's a lot to it. So um, we are going to uh, talk about Solomon again. So this is Solomon part two. Last week we talk, talked about Solomon and how he prayed for wisdom and how you, as young people, can pray for wisdom, uh, be being wise young folks, and, uh, and can make a difference in the world even at a young age. Amen? And we see it so often in the Bible. We see uh, David who was young. We see Solomon who was young. We see even Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, who was quite young. Uh, to, to do that. And so uh, there is lots of instances in the Bible of folks uh, who are young that God wants to use. And so let that be inspiring to you. But today's sermon, message, talk, I don't know what the cool kids are calling it nowadays. <clears throat> but today's message, if you're going to take notes or if you just want to jot it in your head, the title is The God Box. The God Box. This is a throwback. If you've been with us for a while, we had a series called The Box, and uh, uh, we had some jokes about that. But the title of today's message is The God Box. One of the, um, Paul, Paul talks about uh, a, thorn, a thorn being in his flesh. Anybody ever heard of that? There's this constant thing that's nagging at him. Maybe it's a sinful thing. Maybe it's something that, a temptation, right? Uh, a constant thorn in my flesh, if I could be transparent tonight, a constant thorn in my flesh is trying to find the right lid for the Tupperware. None of them fit, ever. It's a thorn in my flesh. And then Danielle looks at me like I'm slow because I'm like, hey, does this one go to this one? She's like, obviously not. It's the other one in there that looks like this. Gives an exact description of it like she has it memorized or something. Like it's written down. She's got some chart secret in the closet of the Tupperware lids because she knows them perfectly. But I go to put the Tupperware lid on, and I go through five of them before it works. It's like a, it's like a camp game every time I'm trying to put food away. You know, it's like, which key is it, right? But it just doesn't fit. None of them fit, ever. All right, I, let's do something. Uh, Andres, come here. Ken, come here. Okay. This could get pretty awkward, but I want you to trade shirts with Ken. <laughs> I'm just kidding, because it helps. <laughs> He's like, bro, I'm not trying to show them my belly right now. Uh, I, I was hoping he was going to wear a hoodie, uh, but it's okay. That works too. But can you imagine if Andres, if Ken tried to wear Andres' shirt? It'd be like the Tupperware. It just don't fit. <laughs> it ain't going to fit. One time, uh, and this was just foul. This is just out of pocket. One time my, my nana and papa were over, and we had some friends over. And my, back in the day, my, nana, my papa looks pretty slim right now. He's looking pretty good. But there was a time when he was rocking a, a pretty uh, decent dad bod, you know. And, uh, and he was all cute, like a little, you know. And he'd wear these sweats, you know. And so he'd kind of like, you know. 
And, uh, and so my dad's friend, John, rolls up in, like, the smallest sweat thing that you could find. It was like a crop top. Like, it was, like, the smallest thing ever. And he's like, I'm Johnny Gomez. And we were like, come on, dude, seriously? Like, he's, like, clowning my papa like that. But that's what I imagine Ken in I'm dressed his shirt looking like, right? It'd be a little tight. Anybody with me? Okay. <clears throat> you ever you ever notice when something just doesn't feel right? Anybody ever notice that? You're like, oh, this doesn't feel right. I I, uh, I played uh, some sports back in the day. My favorite one was football, and my favorite position to play in football was quarterback, which was you know it's kind of like the like the lame thing to say, not lame, but like pretend to be cool thing to say, uh, but it, tr- it, it was truthfully, but I will say this, in Pop Warner, which is like the little little kids league, they had me playing nose tackle, and I was the smallest kid in the, uh, on the field, so this doesn't make any sense, it's like nose tackle is what they would typically have guys like Ken play, but I'm playing this, and I was so small at the time that my parents had to sign a waiver just in case I died on the field. I'm not kidding. Like, they had a weight limit, like a, a bottom end limit of 115 pounds, and I, was, and I was weighing in at 98 pounds, sopping wet. And I was like, I'm here to play ball, you know? And, and I thought I was going to play quarterback or receiver or something because that's what I wanted to do. And they're like, all right, you're playing nose tackle. So I'm against these, like, chubby kids, you know? And I'm just this little dude. And I just felt so out of place. And I kind of felt like I'm, I moved around a lot of different positions. And finally, high school, we found, we found our home at quarterback and had a lot of fun. But I felt like I didn't fit in that position. Does that make sense, everybody? This sounds, these are silly illustrations. You know, Ken and Andres, me play football, whatever. But the truth is, we do this to God quite often. Where God really should be wearing Ken's shirt, and we try to make him fit into Andres' shirt. God really should be the coach of the football team, and we try to put him on the defensive line. God really should be fill in the blank, right? And we try to fit God into the God box. Each of us have a God box. I made this up. It's not like an actual term. (laughs) Each of us have a God box. What is the God box? The God box is the tendency that we all have to want to serve the God that serves us. The tendency we have to want to serve the God that looks exactly how we want him to look. The tendency we have to try and fit God inside the box that makes us comfortable. God, I will serve you if it fits in my schedule. God, I will serve you if my friends like you. God, I'll serve you if you agree with me. This is the, this is the biggest one, especially for us today. God, I'll serve you as long as you don't try to change me. I'll serve you. I'll do this whole thing where, yeah, I love God. I'm a good person. But as long as I like what you're up to, 
as long as you kind of leave me alone unless I need you. And in, and in that, what we're doing, the box that we put God in is kind of like this vending machine box. That as long as I don't put my money into the vending machine, I leave it alone, it leaves me alone. But when I need something, I put my money in a prayer, hoping he might answer. And then we wonder when he, why he doesn't sometimes. Heavy. <laughs> Anybody ever watch the show Love is Blind? If you haven't, please don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, <laughs> these shows like, like The Bachelor, Bachelorette, Love is Blind, all it's just, let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me disciple you for a second. Let me pastor you for a second. That's not how it works, okay? That's not how a relationship works. All, all, all the drama of it and the, I mean, that's not how any of it works. Like, it, like, it's so bad that sometimes I watch it because it's comedy. Like, it's, it's, it's straight up Tom and Jerry. There's no way that, there's no way that they're serious. Like, you know, it's like, there was one time we were watching it, and this girl was like, I can't believe you would want me not to go out with my friends and have a sleepover at my boy, like, my guy friend's house. We're, like, you're, you're trying to control me. I'm, like, screaming at the TV, you're married, you know? <laughs> what? Anyways, Danielle and I, somehow Netflix clicked on it, and we started watching it. Love is blind. And... There's this girl who's like super dramatic. And she's she's marrying this guy who's like really, really like calculated. Right? And he's 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 really uh, mellow, really calm. He handles situations right. Anyways, there's this tough situation, and he's like really calm and she's tripping out. She's cussing at people and running out or whatever. And it's like this whole thing. And then afterwards, they have a a a, a loving, like marriage conversation where he's like, hey, I think you could have handled that a little better. And then it blows up again where she tells all our friends, he was, he was judging me. <laughs> he was judging me, right? Like, and then she, she, she says, like, I'm, he's just got to know I, I am who I am. He's just judging me. God's just judging me. God's just got to know this is who I am. Right? But we're, Danielle and I are watching this show, and I'm like, but, but you were actually wrong. <laughs> you know? Like, he's, what he's saying is actually helpful for you if you would listen. It would help you in your life. But we oftentimes are the super dramatic uh, girl in the show, which is not always the girl, by the way. But in this instance, it was. Uh, and we act like that because we tell God, God, you're supposed to accept me just as I am. That's what it says. That you accept me just as I am. And Jesus does. He says, come as you are. But what happens is, is when we come as we are to Jesus, what's supposed to happen is that we long so much to be like him that we change. But what happens and in, in, especially today is when we come as we are to Jesus, we long so much for him to be like us that we're frustrated when he's not. We're frustrated at his holiness because we're so wretched. And so we try to fit God in our box. Don't judge me, Jesus. That's crazy. What's he supposed to? 
And here's the thing. Solomon was supposed to be the wisest person on earth, right? Almost as smart as Noah. Solomon is supposed to be the wisest man on earth, and he does something pretty stupid, okay? And we're going to learn about it right now. He tried to put God in a box, and God warned him, and he didn't listen. We're going to throw a scripture up on the uh, screen. It's 1 Kings chapter 9. hey oh. At this point, if you're not excited to read God's word, I don't know what's up, okay? The Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your supplication. Which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house. So, backstory real quick. Solomon is, he's wanting to build the temple. Remember when David wanted to build the temple? And God's like, well, I've been moving with you back and forth. I've been with you. My, my, my house is mobile. It's cool. I kind of like the situation I'm in. David's like, cool, whatever. Uh, but then Solomon's like, I want to finish what my dad started. I want to build a temple. God's like, okay, fine. Let's do it. Okay, so here's where we're at. Solomon's going to build the temple. Consecrated this house. Which you have built by putting my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So he's saying, you built this place. It's cool. I'm going to be here forever. Okay. As for you, if you will walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying... You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you, everybody say you. But if you or your sons indeed turn away from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And the house which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. So Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all people. And this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone who passes by will be astonished and hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? And they will say, Because they forsook the Lord, their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and adopted other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this adversity on them. Okay. Here's what this means. And we're going to use what God is saying here plus the context of what happens. Okay, so later on, moving forward, Solomon builds his temple. It's great. He, he, he's consecrated to the Lord. He worships the Lord there. But guess what happens? Solomon, remember, he's crazy and he has 700 wives. In those wives, he has some that are the daughters of, of kings of different nations, right? And so he marries a, someone of royalty from Egypt, right? And so what happens is, uh, Solomon trying to appeal to all of his wives and all of the cultures. He has the temple of the Lord, the temple for Yahweh, but he also has the temple for all these other, other gods that he builds because they, his, his wives want to worship their gods. And what happens is eventually Solomon starts worshiping Yahweh, yeah, sure, but then also worshiping all the other gods. And so what this kind of builds in, in Solomon's mindset is, okay, as I walk into this temple where... Yahweh is supposed to be, I'll worship him. And when I leave, he should stay there. And then I'll go to this temple over here and worship a different God. And hopefully Yahweh stays in his box. 
Now we know this, that, that, that God really didn't want this because also when they were building this temple, all the other temples, right, the, the, the tradition of the temple of the day would be that there was this statue of the God in the middle of the temple, right? Anybody ever seen like statues, like a statue oh, it's on the thing of David or whatever? But <clears throat> there's, there, when you would walk into the temple, there'd be a statue of the God that you're supposed to worship, except for the temple that you're supposed to worship God in, Yahweh. You walk in there, there's no statue. Why? Because God's trying to tell everybody, sorry, I don't just sit here and wait for you to walk in. God's saying, like, sure, you can worship me in this place, but also know that I'm everywhere at all times. I'm not confined to your box. So what God is saying here is, okay, Solomon, I get it. You want to build me a house. That's awesome, man. That's cool. He's, like, patting him on the back. That's cool, buddy. You can build me a house, Solomon, and I'll, I'll be there. My presence will be there. You can worship me there. I will reside there. I will love it. It will be my house. It will be amazing. But what he's saying is, Solomon, if you ever try to just keep me there, I'll tear this whole thing to the ground. Solomon, if you try to worship other gods, if you think that I'm confined to that space, I'll take Israel from you and I'll tear this whole thing down. He said, I'll take the land from you too. And if we go on, we read later on, this is kind of concluding the story of Solomon. What happens is the kingdom of Israel starts to fall. We'll see this in the next couple of weeks that I preach. Uh, we're going to talk about Elijah and Elisha, and they're the prophets of the time of kind of the destruction, what's all going on. It's kind of a messy situation. So it all goes way downhill because Solomon doesn't follow these rules. He lays it out for him. This is exactly what's going to happen. Then Solomon does it, and God does exactly what he says. <clears throat> Babylon comes in, takes over, tears everything down. The temple in ruins. The, 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 the country in ruins. Israel exiled. They're out. Removed him from the land. Everything that he said. Why? Because they tried to keep God in a what? In a box. They tried to keep God in a box. And remember what God said to David. God said, David, I've been moving with you this whole time. As you went to go fight this battle, I was with you. You moved the, whole, you moved the tent with you. I was there. When you lived in this place... You moved the tent with you over there, and I was there. And he, he's saying, as remember when Moses said, wherever your spirit goes, I go. God's saying that that's the arrangement that we have, is that we go together. So he said, what I'm worried about here, man, is you're going to build this temple, and you're going to expect me to stay in the temple. Can't put God in a box. We can't. Possibly be the type of people that are like, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. But please, please stay at the church. God, you, don't, you do not want to see me at school. I love Jesus like so much. So much. But only on Wednesdays and sometimes Sundays. God, you got to stay in your lane, bro. Stay at the church. When I go to school, I'm doing my own thing because guess what? Actually, I worship other idols while I'm at school. I worship the idol of self. I worship the idol of acceptance when I'm at school. 
oh, and most of all, me and all my friends, we really worship the idol of desire while I'm at school. But when I'm at church, everything's cool. Like, I toned down my cussing in front of Pastor Brett because, you know, that'd be disrespectful. And I try and, like, lay low on the inappropriate stuff in front of Pastor Brett and Danielle because that'd be disrespectful. I try to, like, you know, play it cool. I don't want them to see the real me because, you know, I'm working on it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, hit, I'm sorry, I'm hitting y'all heavy today. <laughs> but I'm preaching to myself, man. When I, was, when I was in junior high, when I was in high school, when I was in high school, people asked what my dad did for work. You want to know what I told him? He's a CFO at like a pretty successful organization here in town. His job title in Visalia was CFO of the church. So I told him that. He's CFO of a, a local nonprofit organization. <laughs> you know why? Because I wanted God to stay in his box. I wanted God to stay at church. I wanted him, but, 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 but believe me, when I went to church, I was at the altars weeping. God, maybe right before my Dr. Pepper comes out. But the Dr. Pepper's not coming out anymore. Because if you try and keep me in the box, I'll leave. If you try and keep me in the box, I'll tear the whole thing down. Don't be surprised when God isn't meeting your needs Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday, because you've locked him in Sunday and Wednesday. God, why aren't you there when I'm struggling Tuesday night? He's like, well, you locked me on Sunday and Wednesday and threw out the key. You won't let me in on the other days. He's put God in the box. Solomon put God in the box. So what's the take home? Here, what's the like, okay, Brett, get to it. What's the point? The point is, it's really easy to accept Jesus as Savior. Lord, Jesus, you saved me. Thank you so much. I was so bad. And you may be perfect in your eyes. You're so righteous. It's really easy for, for us to accept our Prince Charming Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for, for, for saving me, for for being there for me, for loving me. Mm, God is love. But it's really hard to serve Jesus when we have to realize he's also Lord of our life. When he's Savior, it's easy. Oh, he saved me. Everybody wants a Savior. Everyone wants to be saved. That's cool, but not everybody wants to listen. Not everybody wants to obey. Not everybody wants to. And listen, it's not all about listening and obeying and get in line and whatever. It's not about that. But what happens is you got to make a choice. Because right now a lot of us, if we could be honest, there's a line skirting and here's the world, right? And all the things that the world is trying to teach you to love yourself no matter what, uh, uh, to, to, to disregard Christianity, that God's not even real, to, uh, you know, you could do whatever you want with your life. You could be whoever you want to be. You, that or you could be over here on the side where God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I love you, and I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you, and, you and, and life is better. And we're skirting the line, but what happens is you're spending five days here and two days here. 
at some point you got to make a choice. And I've preached this before, <laughs> but sometimes it takes me preaching it four times for you to actually make the choice. <laughs> and, 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 and I want to give a shout out. I went to Capo on um, Monday, and it was really cool. Uh, we did our lunch meeting for the FCA, and rolling up, Chris, Andres, Kaylee, all rolling up in their South Coast t-shirts with scripture on the back. What up? Right? They're rolling up. And listen, so in that moment, what that makes me feel like as a youth pastor is like, hey, they've made their decision. That God's not in the box of Wednesday night youth. God's not in the box of Sunday morning church. God's not in the box. God's on my back, on my t-shirt, walking with me in school. My Bible's in my backpack. You're like, you know what I mean? Like, like God is with us. And so that's the point is, listen, don't just let Jesus be Savior of your life. You have to let him be Lord. Why? Because the, he made the whole thing. Life's not as fun when I serve Jesus. What do you mean? He made life. That wasn't even me. That was him. He was trying to knock. Let him in. Because <laughs> guess what? When he's, when he's Lord of your life, there's more for your life, okay? There, there, there's, there's more to it. When you, when you go by the rules of the game that he's, 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 he's put out before us, like I always use the example of the Monopoly game, right? If I if I went up <clears throat> if I went up to Karis and I was like, Karis, we're gonna play a game. Go ahead. Is that fun? That's not fun, right? Because there's no rules. But <clears throat> the world tells you, do what's best for you. Do what's best for you. <laughs> I'm so glad my parents didn't do what was best for them. In regards to me. You know what I mean? Right now, Vince is in this stage where he wakes up every night at like 3 a.m. I'm hungry. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what's best for me? Sleep. Best for me at night if he's not there. Can I say something out of pocket? If I want a career, if I want to sleep well, if I want to do all this, you know what's best for me is putting Vince up for adoption. So how many of y'all want to do what's best for you for the rest of your life? Anybody? So when I'm up here and I'm preaching that doing what's best for you and serving self is demonic and it's not healthy and it's evil, you're like, you just, you're, you're taking a political stance. No, I'm not. I'm telling you that I have to sacrifice, wake up in the middle of the night, Vince, you want a banana or what, dog? <laughs> Vince, you want some water? Right? And I got to get up in my chones and everything, walk to the kitchen, feed this kid at 3 a.m. because he's hungry. Why? Because he didn't eat dinner. Because he was vibing, you know. <laughs> but listen, at some point, you got to sacrifice yourself. It's not about you. I made a comment that put, when I said putting Vince up for, y'all were like, oh, he's crazy. Oh, but the world tells us to do all sorts of worse stuff with our kids. Sorry, y'all in junior high, you don't have kids. My bad. <laughs> That's crazy. 
<laughs> That's wild. Okay, I'm done. Let's go. Hey, moral of the story, guys, listen, don't put God in a box. Right? He doesn't deserve to be in a box. He doesn't. So we gotta let him, we gotta let God lead our lives. So tomorrow when you go to school, right before you get there, Lord, it's yours. Whatever you want today. If you want me to pray for somebody, if you want me to be there for somebody, if you want me to make a friend that nobody else wants to make, Lord, it's yours today. God, if you want me to distance myself from people that aren't healthy for me, God, it's yours today. Lord, if you want me to delete some apps off my phone because they're distracting me, hey, I did that this week. This isn't like a you thing. I deleted Twitter this week. I did. Here's the thing. I was like, I'm not typically a person who's like anxious or depressed, but I was pretty anxious and depressed for the last couple of months. I was kind of hiding it and not saying anything, and I was just droning along. like just. And I felt like I couldn't think. I'd like try to come up with a creative idea, and I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't, my mind was mush. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, I just can't. And I was at this youth pastor's thing, and God was like, delete Twitter. I was like, that's wild. (laughs) Like, Twitter is the source of my problems. And he's like, delete it. Okay. And I deleted it. And all of a sudden, I'm quite a lot more present at home. My phone doesn't come out of my pocket as much as it used to. And all the things, it's simple, guys. (laughs) So when I'm nagging at you to, like, kind of, you know, tear some of these idols down, you're like, Brent, you just don't get it. You're old. (laughs) I'm just saying from experience, like, I love Twitter. I love football news and all these different things. Like, that's, I guess that's the old man app because I love it. But listen, maybe some of you need to delete TikTok. Good. Amen. Maybe some of y'all need to delete Instagram. And just, like, get your info from us from, from the group text. Read a newspaper. I'm just kidding. Maybe, or maybe you're fine. Maybe, like, you're really good at, like, putting it down. But if you find yourself at night just for three hours straight, you can't do your homework because you're scrolling reels. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. That we don't end up like Solomon worshiping all the other idols plus Jesus. That we just worship Jesus. Amen, everybody? Sorry for a hard message, but I love you. Uh, And God wants better for you, and he uh, wants us to pray for wisdom, but then actually be wise. (laughs) Amen, folks. Uh, A few more weeks of this series. We're going to move on to some awesome new stuff. Uh, A couple of things real quick. Next week is Friendsgiving. Bring a friend. Bring some food. It's going to be amazing. Danielle's going to, Danielle and Paul are going to be cooking up some wild stuff, so y'all be ready. And we got some other leaders that I think they're sleepers. They're bringing in some cool stuff. Uh, So get ready for that. Uh, I'm taking a couple of us to Ecuador next week. Uh, Would you be praying for us that uh, there is some, like, um, social turmoil and things in the country? And so would you help pray for us to be a light and that we'd be uh, safe and travel and all that kind of stuff and and, uh, just be good? And then you guys show up and show out for Friendsgiving. It's going to be an amazing one. Last thing, if we have one of those buckets, uh, the, the offering buckets, uh, I forgot to do this last week, but we've been giving to uh, this um, fund, uh, this project called SoCal United, which is a missions fund that helps um, give cars to missionaries, clean water to uh, kids in Africa, and uh, uh, build soccer stadium or soccer fields in Indonesia. And uh, it's really a great fund. We've, as a group, have raised uh, about $500 already. Um, which I'm really proud of you guys for. Our goal is 2000 and so uh, let's keep going. And so if you have uh, a $1, $5, a quarter, 
uh, whatever you want to give, uh, we'd encourage you. I'll put it up here, and we'll uh, you just drop it in the bucket as you walk out, and um, uh, Jeff will drop that as soon as we uh, end it. Okay? Sounds good, everybody? Let's stand up. I want to pray for you, and then let's hang out for a few minutes and spend some time together. God is good. Amen? Be thinking about that this week. Don't put God in a box. Let him live with you tomorrow, the next day, at school, at home. Uh, don't just leave God here at youth group. Amen? All right, Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you're the God uh, of uh, all of the places that we reside. You're the God of our home. You're the God of this church. You're the God of our school. You're the God of all of it, God. Uh, Lord, help us to realize that you're not just a Savior, but you're our Lord, and also you're our closest friend. So, God, help us to draw close to you as you draw close to us.